Welcome to the Good Rookies Podcast. My name is Fahim. And my name is Nelly J, y'all. And we are Good Rookies. (laughs) What's going on, everybody? Happy Good Tuesday. And guess what? It's episode 91. 91. Yes, y'all. We are in the 90s and we're so excited for our guest tonight. I'm not going to hold up anyone's time. Fahim, please introduce who we got. All right. So uh, we have somebody who's uh, well-traveled, uh, well-experienced. Um, he's definitely been for our culture on many different aspects. Um, I'm really excited that we can introduce today Zach Ramey to the podcast today. Zach Ramey. Zach Ramey. Thanks for having me. Zach Ramey. What up, Zach? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Glad to be a part of your show. Um, uh, when you guys asked me with your connection, my connection to Canada, you guys being Canadians, I just thought it was a natural fit. So definitely right. excited to be here. And to your listeners, my motto is fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. Let's get into it. Oh, look nice. at that, y'all. It's going to be great. And actually, that's why, you know, I'm really excited to talk to you today because there's some topics that are some discussions where, you know, someone like you who has been a global trotter, I would say, uh, you just have different takes on things that I think our audience and listeners would love to, like, learn from. So we're going to highlight, of course, all the things that you do. I mean, YouTube, coach, everything you do. But before we get right into it, I really want to have your take on something that happened. And I think you know, the WNBA started, right? 26th season, very excited for that. And um, the Suns today announced that they're going to be honoring Brittany Griner with having DG, the initials, on uh, the actual court, which is something that's really cool. And we've seen a lot of the players um, going to honor her throughout the season with different uh, paraphernalia around the league, as well as um, there's actually quite a few athletes that that have actually said no to Russia for playing in Russia for future basketball games. So this Brittany Griner thing, it has gotten a lot bigger than it was just a few months ago. You know, the fact that Russia um, and these teams are looking to get more American athletes, they're telling them, no, they're not signing with these guys. And and there's actually a boycott now to Russian basketball. On top of that, the the U.S. uh, Department, State Department, found that um, her arresting was unlawful, right? It was, she was unlawfully detained. So... I just really want to get your thoughts on it because you've traveled, you've been to the States. What, first of all, tell us what is that like to be a professional athlete in another country, number one. Number two, what do you think is going through her head when she went through this experience? um, A lot has transpired since this first um, started. Let me first by saying it. I don't think the, unless you really follow overseas basketball, I don't think people realize how, huge that is that they're boycotting Russia. Russia's one of the major leagues, the Russian league. They have several teams that play in the Euro League. A lot of them play for like Spartak. You have um I'm blanking on the other big Russian teams for some reason right now. But I mean that's that's a big deal because a lot of the the top players, Diana Tarasi, Brittany, Brittany Griner, Becky Hammond, um a lot of them played in Russia. Like Russia play, pays really well. Like they were making millions. Like, they pay very well. So for them to say that um, is very, very fascinating. Um, The first thing I thought about, so let's back up. When I first heard it, I was like, man, how does she have that in her bag? And it being Russia, I'm not going to lie, part of me thinks that they plan it. 
Like, how was it found? Who told? But if it wasn't planted, then my question is, is this something that she's used to traveling with? Mm-hmm. And that may fly like traveling within the country because they know who she is over there. But now once you're talking about leaving the country, clearing customs, right? And let's say hypothetically, maybe she left it in her bag and forgot, you know, maybe, I don't know. But if you're clearing customs and then at the time, Russia is invading Ukraine, right? So it's a lot of things going on. I just think you had to be cognizant of that because I know my experience is when you leave the United States, our airport security is very tight. But a lot of these other countries, their security force, like their, their authority is on display, if that makes sense. Like you go to some of these countries, you see an AK-47s. You don't necessarily see that in wow. airports traveling throughout the States. Um, they might ask you different questions and customs. Like my experience when I played in the PBL for the Halifax Raymond, I actually flew into Montreal. And I remember being in this room for almost two and a half, close to three hours, just answering different questions and them checking my background and all this just to get a work visa so I could be able to go and join my team and play. So it's just a very different atmosphere. So I don't want to be insensitive to it, but if she was wrongfully detained, then that's a whole nother thing. But my reaction was you just have to be cognizant when you travel these other countries. Because I know other stories where you make all this overseas money and you don't want it to get taxed. So a lot of them will be bringing it back in their clothes. And I've heard stories of people getting stopped in Israel, France, like some of these other, like literally forfeiting $30,000, $50,000 in some cases because they found wow. it on them. So it's it's a complicated situation, mm-hmm. but it's just an example of sometimes us as Americans, we maybe have different privileges or think we have certain rights that may not, be afforded in other countries and you got to understand where you are and what the rules of engagement are when you're traveling. So I'm glad to see that it's being worked out. I think overall they tried to use it as a political pawn. That's just my opinion. Um, Why not with all this stuff that's going on? I thought initially they might use her as a negotiating piece. I know that sounds crazy, um, but it, it didn't work out that way. So hopefully she can get out, get back to the States. Mentally, she's going to have to heal up and all that. I don't even yeah. know if she plays this year. You know, but that's my kind of take on it. It's multi-layered. So I want to kind of give all the perspectives and not be insensitive, but just word to the wise. When you're traveling outside the United States and other countries, everybody's rules are not the same. You got to be cognizant of that when you're traveling to these other countries. I love that you mentioned that it's big money to play in Russia, especially for women. And so a few of uh, athletes have denied or or they're not going to play in Russia. I remember they're all friends. It's a very small group of women um, that make these WNBA teams, right? To your point, um, so Russia definitely now has more incentive because I know two ladies denied or doesn't want to play. They they they, 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 they denied their plays in Russia right now. So I think that's a good stance. And WNBA, they're always so good at making the stance for their people. Like you know, they they led in the George Floyd. They led in Black Lives Matter. They've been been they've been political all the time. So I'm not surprised that they're standing together behind her for this Russia. Um, and I, I really think if Russia knows that they might not get American athletes to play in Russia, I think it's even more incentive for them to figure this out with the U.S. State Department. Behem, what's your thoughts knowing that th- these women are set up behind Brittany Griner, the NBA is acknowledging it, the Suns are going to honor her putting BG on the court. And on top of that, the U.S. Department found that she's wrongfully detained in the first place. 
So, so Zach, if you, you've traveled, if you go mm -hmm. to another country and you break the law, like if you were to do it, like say you had hash in your bag accidentally or, or whatever, um, with you, could you go to the embassy and say, Hey, you know what? Like I'm in Russia. Can you do anything for me? That's a you, great Zach. question. I, I will assume. Yes. I will hope so. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's a good question. I never had to, so I, mm -hmm. I can't speak on it on that level, but you would think that you should be able to, but again, what made this so tricky for him and, and uh, Jay is the fact that they're invading another country, right? There's At the same a, like, time. Yeah. Whole nother element that got caught up in this situation. Again, I want to be sensitive. I'm not blaming her, but I'm just saying if the facts are what they say, you have to really cross your T's and dot your I's and just be cognizant of what's going on. So with that going on, the embassy might have been out the window as an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, they may not even been around. Because remember, that's one. Remember, they put sanctions, right? America put sanctions yeah. in Russia around that time. Keep in mind a few things. She wasn't caught with hash. She was caught with cartridges, cartridges right. that has contained it. So like it's a cartridge of what typically would carry cannabis. But she didn't have it on her, right? That's what. And would that be? Would that right? be a, a um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm no, no, need to... <laughs> oh, hold, hold on. Of course, the crime. You got arrested. Yeah, I'm just saying that it didn't contain the actual drug. So I don't want people okay. thinking that we don't know what uh, will happen. She was detained okay. for carrying a cartridge of it, right? A cartridge meaning an empty container, which they feel, of course, had it. However, if they did investigation and found that she was wrongfully detained, I'm curious to know, of course, why they labeled wrongfully detained meaning was there something where she had um sometimes in the country you typically write to them and tell them i, I have medicinal something or they allow something to happen in the country we don't know anything right especially like when you go to different countries sometimes you apply for certain things to allow for it to happen so to your point zach you mentioned maybe she's been doing this for the past two three years not an issue but now all of a sudden maybe as a new boss a new manager at the airport and they said nope we're not allowing it number cool. two Number two, on top of that, um, uh, athletes before the invasion, they were warned to leave Russia. That's yeah. one thing that, so she was warned to leave Russia. All the, a lot of the other American athletes did leave prior, but she decided to stay. So they did warn their athletes to leave earlier on and she did not. So I, I wanted to just add those two caveats. Go ahead, Fahim, on your thoughts. All right, so why I asked earlier, um, if Zach, if, if you would be, if you did the same thing, you not being like a celebrity, but you just being a regular person and maybe taking, yeah. going to the embassy, right? That's what I was asking. Um, so with the cartridge in that, that since we know that is, a, I guess, a fact now, um, is, you know, is having the cartridge in a country, is that enough for somebody, regardless of the situation, is that a crime in that country? That was my question. And I guess we don't know that. I'm assuming that that would be a crime in the country to have um like remnants or something in in the in the container um i think it comes down to you know she's a celebrity and she has influence in her sport i mean she goes she's not she's nothing new to russia she on her off season goes to russia been going to russia for like the last six years apparently like that's her off season place so um i do get that her being in russia at that time uh she could be they can be using any excuse uh to use some of of influence we've had uh Leangelo Ball, for instance, he was in mm -hmm. China and he stole in China and he still had um, the president of the United States do whatever he 
can do to get him out. And he was not a celebrity, but he was a name in China who broke the law. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you have to go by the law of the land, um, and you know, some people, if say if, if I go to China and I steal in China, maybe I'm not going to have somebody who's going to be able to finesse and finagle me out of the situation. So, I mean, with Brittany Griner, I mean, it's great that they're commemorating her and, uh, you know, uh, with the BG and all that. Um, but I think as the story unfolds more, it kind of feels like when I hear about this uh, wrongful, this uh, was a wrongful detainment. Yeah, um, wrongful detained, yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes, you know, how it, how it is, you look for loopholes, you know, and that may be a loophole to get her out of the situation, but it doesn't change the fact that she broke the law you know, there's certain circumstances that have to come with it. That's just my, that's just yeah. my stance. Yeah, so that makes sense. And I think the biggest thing, um, having a cartridge isn't a crime, but there, the legend is that you have a cartridge, so clearly you had it on you, and that's the crime. So the, the argument mm -hmm. is, does she actually have, like, cannabis? And if she, it's like, it's kind of more alleged, so the crime is you clearly had it on you because you have the cartridge for it, right? So the argument is, does she have it? Does she not have it? If you didn't have it, you wouldn't have a cartridge. So that's yeah. breaking the law isn't having a cartridge. Breaking the law is that they're saying, but clearly if you have the container for it, clearly something was in it, right? That's the whole uh, discussion, yeah. I want to make sure I understand, though. Can I ask a question? So having the cartridge for what you know is not an actual crime, like having it in your possession is not the actual crime? I just want to make sure I understand it. Yeah, I so the crime, yeah. So essentially, um, it, it's, it, the, the issue is that they, they're saying allegedly you had something in it and having, I think she had cannabis oil. That's the alleged statement. So for them, maybe there was residue that was left that dried up in it, but there was something in it. So she wasn't caught with something on her. She was caught with the cartridges. And the crime is you can't have, I guess, the cannabis oil so, um, in Russia. So let me ask you this because this brought me back to my law enforcement days. I was a police officer here in Chicago for almost six years. Mm -hmm. And if I had a situation where I arrested somebody for something completely different, and when I searched them, I found a crack pipe, like I charged them with that. Like uh -huh. it's, it counts as drug paraphernalia. Now it's a misdemeanor, right? But if we're talking from just the law and what's illegal or not and how you can get out of it, technically, yeah. If you get caught with certain things, we could tie that to you. Or, yes. for example, we can use that to search your vehicle now. Like, it was all kind of that kind of stuff. And then that's when you're talking about being wrongfully detained. Like, when I was in law enforcement, we didn't do that per se. Like, I didn't do anything illegal. But you will have people who will use that, as Fahim would say, as a loophole to try to get out of what they did. Like, you wrongfully detained me. Like, what was your... Yeah. So that's a, that's a great point, that because she was actually, they, so, so Russia claimed that she's a smuggler. She smuggles um, mm -hmm. narcotics. So that was the actual charge. So the fact that they're charging her for smuggling narcotics, you probably need to have, I don't know, quite a bit. But I think that's why maybe no, that is, yeah. Hold on. That's why I said it like that. Mm -hmm. So in law enforcement, you have reasonable suspicion and you have probable cause. Your reasonable suspicion, I might flip-flop because I'm a little rusty. It's been a couple of years since it's I walked okay, bro. away. <laughs> but one of them gets you to, to stop, right? Like, that's your stop. I think it's probable cause is your stop. Then, depending on where it goes from there, you have reasonable suspicion to think that you committed crime X, Y, Z, or whatever. So their probable cause was, we found this in your bag, 
Now we have a reasonable suspicion to arrest Bingo. him as a smuggler. Bingo. And that's where, again, to Fahim's point, and that's why I laughed at Twitter and my timeline, different people. I don't care what's legal in the United States. It's, yep. it, even in the United States, depending on what state you're in, what mm -hmm. jurisdiction you're in, what county you're in, what city you're in, all the laws are not the same. Agreed. And it could be just one big hassle, right? Like, you could be innocent, the, the police could be wrong and all that, but why would you want to go through all that? Risk and that it. was my overall thought from all of it, because unless we find out they planted it on her, why even go through all of that? So if they didn't plan it, that's why my original statement was, she must have been doing this. The difference is she was traveling within the country. So because she plays for, I think she played for Spartak this year. The other team I blacked out, Seska Moscow, they have a soccer team yeah. too. But they're treated differently. So she's flying differently if they're going within just hooping. But if you're going home now, mm -hmm. that, that's why I said that. But you just jogged my, my police mind because. No, I love it. That's, hey, even better. <laughs> like they don't realize that right, wrong, or otherwise, the police have a lot of different loopholes and different things that they can do mm. if they think you have probable cause for a crime and then reasonable suspicion to arrest you for said crime. Yeah, agreed. Mm. And, and that's why I think people forget, like, that's the thing. There's so many different things happening, but, yeah, I think the suspected, because how you said it is perfectly, the suspected of her being a, becoming a smuggler. So that's why she was detained even more. But I think maybe to the U.S. Department point, maybe they found something where this shouldn't even um, be granted a criminal charge for smuggling because maybe it was a small cartridge. Maybe it was just one little, like, we don't know what, what their case is, but I'm sure they ask questions. I'm just happy that they are looking into it. Lisa Leslie spoke about how, you know, when it first happened, they asked not to say anything about it for some reason. So, again, I recommend all international athletes, if your embassy says to go home, go home, okay? Just go home. Right. Don't just go home. wait, don't relax, like, this world is this world is going through a lot. COVID has been stressful. This pandemic, and so I just I, I pray that all these uh, athletes around the world are safe, and you know, and the, and the countries that are going to have these athletes coming into your country. Because I was told that before we close off, I was told that before you go to a country as an American citizen, they actually do give you a rundown of the country, the laws. You typically mm -hmm. know what you're going into. Like you're not going into blindsided. So Brittany was aware of things that she can and can't do, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, let me think. Canada, yeah, they, they definitely ran it down a couple different ways. Um, trying to think when I went and played in Finland. I don't think so. Finland was a little bit different, but the person that picked me up let me know, like, this is this, this is that. Um, we need it serious here. You know, don't get caught with this. Don't get caught with that. Um, not a legend that I do drugs, but just letting me know. Even I remember even just from feeble rules, certain things. Like I had to get a note to have my inhaler brought into the country. Like they looked at my inhaler, wanted to know what the medicine was, was like, and that was a for my asthma, you know. So yeah, it's it's a it's a definite thing because again, like from somebody from the United States, I know how it is in, like like I said, Canada's a little bit stricter than us. But we take for granted that people think we just do a lot of different things. And when you go other places culturally, it's really not like that. Like when I was in Finland, there's not a bunch of people smoking weed. Weed is not accessible like that. It just isn't. This is it's not, it doesn't work like that. That's not even part of their 
normal environment or culture is completely different. So you got to understand, again, when you're traveling, know the rules of engagement. And I would recommend just be safe and sorry. And then the last part, understand if you're a person of color and you're not there playing sports, or even if you are playing sports, they will treat you like a person of color if need be. So be uh-huh. mindful of that as well. People don't want to talk about that, but let's just be real. Different rules for different groups of people. So just be mindful of that. We saw how the Ukrainians were treating those African um, refugees when they were trying to leave, right? So just be mindful right. of that when you travel. Be mindful. Most definitely. Um, so now, Lee do you want to go to For the Culture? For the culture, we like to highlight individuals for their culture. And today, we get to highlight Zach. First of all, I'll call you Zachary. <laughs> Rami! <laughs> so, first of all, you're like international. Like, I call you someone, like someone who's been involved in everything. You've played, you've coached, you're a leader, you mentor, like you do it all. You YouTube, you, you communicate, you even have, I think you're on every podcast platform off the glass podcast and guys that's at uh the off the glass podcast which we're going to obviously have all the information there but i kind of want people to understand your origin story you know because i know you, you play ball we get it um how many countries first of all did you play in basketball in like federal okay. finland yeah if you can name them poland and canada okay okay and what's your basketball origin story so like when did you start playing was it due to seeing a player, having family? Like, how did this, the whole love of basketball come, come, come forth? <laughs> I have a super unique story. I'll say this, is because they play tonight. It's similar to JaVale McGee. Um, mm-hmm. My mom played, and she coached. So while she was pregnant with me, I was literally in the gym. She was an assistant coach. So by 19 months, I was already running up and down the court, dribbling a basketball. And um, it's funny, like, the, I laugh nowadays because I'm 40. Um, like, man, why couldn't I be born in the YouTube age? Because like, I literally was a child prodigy. Like, I would have had videos everywhere. I was a child prodigy. By seven years old, I was playing organized basketball. I was fortunate to participate in something called small fry basketball, which is big here in the States. Well, it was big then. It still goes on now. AAU kind of took over that a little bit. And it's huge in Puerto Rico. Um, so, like, Carlos Royal, he plays small fry, for example. It's huge in Puerto Rico. And it produced all the top guards, not only in the Chicagoland area, but like New York and Wisconsin. So, for example, names that they might know, like Nick Van Axel, he's from Kenosha. He plays small fry. The great shooter of the Chicago Bulls, Craig Hodges, he plays small fry. And then in my era, I come from the era of guys like Will Bynum that played overseas. He played for the Pistons and a bunch of other guys, man. So I was fortunate enough to play that. So by the time I'm in fifth grade, I'm maybe four foot nine, maybe. And I'm the starting point guard on my eighth grade team. Like wow. Like I said, I was a I was a prodigy. And then it was interesting because my parents moved us out of the city of Chicago, moved us to a predominantly white suburb. And that's kind of where my basketball career as a youth just kind of died. Um, so it was kind of one of those what ifs if I would have went to school in the in the city because my dad actually wanted me to go to school in the city. She asked me, wanted me to go to Simeon where Derek Rose, Jabari, yep. those guys went. And um, my mom was like, we didn't move to the suburbs for him to go to school in the city. And um, it was just one of those things. So for me, my story is a story of perseverance. I go, I don't play high school basketball. I go to Division One JUCO with a friend. 
I leave January 2000 at five foot seven, 132 pounds. I come home May 15th. I was six, one and a half, 175. So I had this crazy growth spurt. And then from there, it was just a grind. Um, wasn't the best student, admittedly, hated school, and ended up finishing up at a Division three school called Benedictine University, had some success there. And then from there, it was just bouncing around in different minor leagues, the ABA, the IBL, um, which is that's how I also played, been to Vancouver. They had an IBL team at the time. Um, and then the PBL, which brought me to Canada. And then from there, just was a grind. And then by the time I turned 30, I had tore my meniscus. And then um, at the time, my dad had prostate cancer. He's fine now. But just the uncertainty of that. And then I met my future wife. <laughs> so I just retired at 30. You know, that was pretty much it. So kind of a unique story. Learned the game from women. All my so-called aunties, godmothers never played my dad one-on-one. It was always women. Wow. My dad coached, me, coached me later, but it was always my always women. So started off like that. Child prodigy. Fell off. Not fell off, but went through some some trials and then was able to get back to being a pro. So I'm always humbled and proud of my career because I earned every single piece. So to be mentioned in my city in that era with some of the other guys that played in the NBA and played overseas, like it, it makes me feel cool. I feel like I accomplished a lot. That is remarkable. Like, I don't think I've ever heard someone talk about learning basketball from women or learning it from their mom like that. Typically, we've heard a lot of fathers or, you know, relatives, right? But having, knowing that your mother was your gateway into the sport, that's just beautiful. And um, in regards to your podcasting, because I think podcasting is like a, is a whole passion, a whole world. Yeah. Take us through your, you know, your, you play basketball and then you decide to go into podcasting, you know, radio, like personality type. What was that? Um, like that, like in the first place, and why would you even want to do podcasting? <laughs> so I was yelling at the TV one night watching TV, <laughs> and my wife was like, "Why don't you just start a podcast?" And I'll be in year six in October, and it's funny looking back; it seems like it's been so long. My son will be six, so I remember starting it right before he was born. And looking at the equipment now, and all the streaming platforms, and everybody's podcasting now, and. I really just started it as a passion. Didn't know what I was going to do. I really thought I was going to do all these big time interviews because I knew all these people from Chicago. Like, you know, I know this guy that knows Antoine Walker and I should be able to get this guy, you know, and it, it really didn't work out like that. It really didn't. I, I had people I thought that was going to be my co-host. They flaked on me. So I ended up having to just do it by myself. And, you know, you look up, you're grinding, you're learning different things. You're becoming passionate about it. I always enjoy talking. I had an option to be a communications major in college. I just didn't follow through with it. And, um, you know, just kind of just went from there. And I'm one of those people, like, once I get involved in something, like, I want to be the best at it. So I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm asking this person about equipment. I'm watching more TV, not as much as I do. I don't do it now. But back then, watching, like, a lot of Colin Cowherd, for example, just different people that do it, just trying to learn and perfect the craft. And then... You land one interview, you know, like I remember my first big interview was Coach David Thorpe, who used to work for ESPN. He was actually Udonis Haslam's, like, first trainer, you know, and getting him. And then from there, meeting um, Rashad Phillips and getting him and then getting Kendrick Perkins. And lately this past year, getting Jamal Crawford and Andre, you know, Andre Miller and just meeting people and talking with people and 
if I actually showed you the DMs I get, you know, that's the cool side that I don't think people realize because I don't brag about it, but people always asking me for help and thanking me for this and thanking me for that. So it's been a hard journey because I want to be super successful. I want to make money doing this. I'm passionate about it. But when I got, like, I got a DM last week where this guy was telling me, you know, you got me through this tough time. And I didn't even realize it. I was just offering advice. That's what made this whole podcasting journey kind of worth it. And then lastly, knowing that my son and my daughter, my daughter's three. And I told wow. her, I, was like, um, I can't go outside with you guys tonight. I got a, a podcast. She said, you got to do the podcast? I was like, <laughs> podcast i said no mama i gotta go on somebody else's show she was like okay dad dad be be good good luck <laughs> i love it nice. stuff like that like it just makes it all worthwhile but i will offer this caveat man it's been a grind it's been frustrating at times i've had some horror stories you know maybe i might share one day about the industry you know um but um, overall, I wouldn't change anything for, from the world. Only my only regret, I wish I would have started it back in 2010 when I was overseas. Mm. When podcasting was just kind of, because that's how I got into podcasting, because I'm overseas trying to keep up with the game. And it's interesting, the person I first started listening to, he was hosting NBA Today on ESPN, was actually Ryan Rosillo. So like to see where even his career went. And even Bill Simmons and those kind of people, like just seeing where they once were. And I'm like, man, I often wonder if I'd have been in 2010 when really <laughs> nobody was doing this, you know, where would I be now? But everything happens for a reason. So um, definitely sense. enjoy podcasting, enjoy the journey. Um, it's definitely been dope for sure. Definitely. I just want to punch in with some uh, two things real quick. First, you're mentioning about your mom and her coaching. Um, at what level did she coach? Just so, real quick. It would be um, NAIA, which okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so, it's so like, which is most people don't know this. At least with, with men's basketball, NAIA produces more pros than Division Two here and Division Three in the states combined. Like it's that really I didn't know. That I didn't know. Really good basketball. So she coached at the NAI le NAIA level here in Chicago. Right. Okay. Cool. No, that's dope. Um, second part you were saying earlier about uh, so from the inner city moved to suburbs. And you say mm -hmm. going to suburbs that kind of killed your your ball career. Yeah. Um, what was the difference that you felt uh, between playing in the suburbs and playing in the inner city? Um, that might be an obvious question, but for someone who's been through it, you yeah. said that totally derailed you. Like, where? Like, what do you think was the biggest thing that took you off that trail? First was my size. I was super small. Came in my freshman year, four foot 11, 92 pounds maybe. So super small, but was really good. Like I could play, it was just super small. And then the school was predominantly white. So it was a lot of politics. So like, for example, my junior year, he had to make room for somebody's son who was like on the school board. And what wow. he should have did was have me play JV. But what made it even more frustrating, he came from the legendary Westinghouse High School that produced like Mark Aguirre and Hersey Hawkins, like, like legendary West Side School, a couple other people I'm forgetting, I'm pretty sure, but just to give you some names that the listeners might know. And it's like, once he got out there, it's like, he forgot almost like where he came from as a coach. And then my senior year, me and my best friend didn't make the team. And we probably could have contended for state that year. We was really, really, I mean, really good if me and him make the team. And he told me he'd rather keep a junior than a senior. You know, mm. so it was just, 
it was it was one of those things just looking back in life like I often wonder I had to get past it because it used to bother me a lot like and my mom actually apologized she said you know what I should have listened to your dad you know mm -hmm. the education wasn't that big of a difference the environment obviously was a little bit better not that Simeon is dangerous because my wife uh went to Simeon her whole family like her her dad actually graduated with the great like Ben Wilson like he knew Ben Wilson personally from the mm -hmm. Benji story and um but the environment in the city is it's a different environment. I mean, it's Chicago, you know. So some of the things that you deal with in the city, you're not going to deal with in the suburbs, just being real. So mm -hmm. to answer the question for him, it was a combination of me being small and then also um, the politics of, of, of that time. I'm not going to say racism like that. That would be over-exaggerating. But it was just a different environment back then. Like I said, the school was majority white. Like when we moved out there, we were one of two black families on our block and this was like 1993 going into 94 so it was just a different time fast forward if you go there now i would say it's almost 60 percent black now mm. so it's a little bit different we talking about stuff like when i was in high school one black cheerleader on the team you know now the majority of the team is is black if not all of them so it's just a different dynamic but everything happens for a reason because i really believe and it's gonna sound corny to your listeners but if i would have went to Simeon and let's say basketball wise just kept going up another level make it to the league or whatever i don't even know if i meet my wife like just being honest like you have to kind of look at certain things like that oh. and i talk about her all the time because again she helped me start the podcast a lot of this she helped me told me to lead a police force let's go start our own business so sometimes in life everything doesn't work out how you want to because you have something on the other side that's actually more fulfilling and more important testify testify you know, man I look at it and embrace the journey. And that's why I originally said, like, to go through everything I went through basketball-wise and still be able to be a pro and make some money and still have so many experiences and play against really good guys that went to all these big schools and uh -huh. I didn't and still be respected as those kind of players, you know, it makes it all worth it in the end. The reason why I was – so it's, it's, it's great that you gave that insight in regards to it because when you originally said that, what I was actually thinking is, you know, sometimes when you play against better competition, you get better. And I had a feeling maybe in the suburbs, the competition probably wasn't on the same level it was in the inner city. So if you're not playing every day against better players, then that could kind of derail you. That's what I was thinking. Um, but what you said would make sense also. Let me um, give you some background real quick so people know. Like mm -hmm. my conference in high school is different now, but it was called the Sick of East. So like this is the same conference that Eddie Curry played in. So like we played Eddie Curry twice a year. Uh, Orton High School, which produced, um, he played in the NBA for a while. Melvin Eli was a seven-footer. Uh, their point guard in American football was Antoine Randall that won a Super Bowl ring with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, mm -hmm. it was a very competitive conference and then surrounded by other schools that were super competitive, like the school that Kendall Gill, he right down the street. You know, that's another name that, you know, so, no, it, it wasn't – one of those things like people think when you go to the suburbs, you know, like it's, it's easier. No, because another school that's right down the street, they're in the same conference that Dwayne Wade played in, you know. So I actually have stories that if I ever get to interview Dwayne Wade, it's going to freak out that he's even, I'm going to bring this up. But I remember him at 16 playing at an outdoor park with us. So, no, it was wow. very competitive for him, very competitive. Just wow. to Chicago, it really was. It was wow. crazy because you said that because I have a few friends from Chicago and they talk about how competitive basketball is. 
someone we know, um, his high school forgot that he was honored from high school. But yeah, like I've heard that Chicago basketball is so competitive and there's so much talent in Chicago. We did an actual room in on Clubhouse, Big Up Tadia. It was the Mecca of basketball. And everyone had to put a case as to why their state was the Mecca. And the top three, like top four, like Illinois was up there with North Carolina, with New York, with um, California, and of course, New York. But I didn't know like, like how much talent Illinois has in basketball, especially college, universe, like overseas talent, and even like the camps they have. Like I didn't know how much until this person kind of presented the case. And I'm like, wow, like Chicago, like, like Illinois has a lot of, basketball players and talent like i had no clue no clue because if you look at from chicago alone because that's what people like to have this argument when we joke with my new york friends but if you factor in the chicago land area and then go down state like further down state so you're talking about sean livingston andre iguodala darius miles like that's the southern part of the state but even if you just stick around the chicago land area it's the amount of pros is, is it's insane. Like I will put our city up. California is so huge. It's almost yeah, like a cheat code. Exactly. But as far as just like, if you just stuck to the Chicago land area, I mean, even going way back, like Quinn Buckner, that was on Bobby Knight's undefeated team. He went to Thorn Ridge. That high school is the same conference as my high school. So it's like the, 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 the roots is crazy. Chicago. Like, that's why I said, who gets to say New York is the Mecca? Like, why do you guys get to say that? We're just right. as competitive. Well, well, uh, well that's the thing. I, I think the argument landed with, like, New York may not have as much talent, but because they have a lot of grounds, that's, like, holy land for basketball, you know? So, like, the the, the MSG is known, um, you know, the, the parks, like, where they play, like, Riker. Like, they have so much things going on there that I think, yeah. historically, the, the hip-hop, the sport came together in a beautiful marriage and created this culture that boomed the sport of basketball. But, yeah, like, the, the argument behind Illinois, California, and even places like, yo, PG County, very small area, but they have talent in, like, Texas? a county. It's crazy. <laughs> like, crazy. Texas is in Texas, Georgia. Texas, like, I mean, oh, a lot of talent. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy, it's, man. Whew. But I'm going to throw a quick shot at New York. Like, I just think New Yorkers think they're the best at everything. Like, they feel like they create everything. <laughs> like, I think that's part of it, too. Like, and me and my New York guys, like, great guys, met some great hoopers from New York. We always, you know, joke about that, especially me and my guy, Daniel Artest. We play together. We always go back and forth at who's better. Because he actually lived in Chicago for a little bit while his brother, Ron, who got drafted by the Bulls. Yeah. So he, he he's familiar with the culture, and we always go back and forth. It's a fun discussion. <laughs> mm. Well, shout out to uh, to Kendall Gill. I remember um, he played for the Fighting Illini uh, yep. back in the day with uh, another guy named Kenny Kenny Battle. I just remember that was my first pro coach. I got to me and KB became oh, great friends. Oh, really? And I actually coached Stephen Bartle's son in AAU, like oh. years later. So it just and that was wow. actually my first basketball memory. Like I remember watching the Flying Illini in '89. So to actually get right. to meet some of them later was just like and know him personally like i could call kb right now and talk to him man great guy he's doing oh wow really things. wow yeah it, yeah basketball is dope like that it uh -huh. is yeah. i follow i follow kennel gill um even outside of um college at the he got drafted i know it was by um the charlotte hornets Yo, yeah guy had i had a, his rookie card i was like a big kennel gillish fan so shout out to both him and kenny battle for sure um <laughs> that's my that's more my time also i'm a little bit older okay so, 
Yeah, one of call them drafts around here. Let's call them drafts like KB is one of the, I mean, partier, like silly guy, one of the best, just good human beings, man. It plays so hard on the court, like so hard on the court. And Kendall Gills actually works for the Bulls in their broadcast right. after the show. Like he does. I noticed work. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, I'll, I'll see if I could, you know, reach out to him, you know, see if he re responds. Cause I, I know his cousin. And I was okay. going to reach out to him once things kind of calm down to have him on my own show. So let me see if I can kind of you know, throw that alley-oop for you guys. Oh, right. Okay. That'd be great because I would love to see Fahim geek out a little bit. Sometimes he's too hot <laughs> for me. I want to see him out of his element, kind of like nervous and like, hi, 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 Mr. Gill. You know, I want to see all that. So that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> dope. That'd be dope. Um, so, Zach, um, I want to ask something in regards to MBL Canada. So you played uh, Canadian for the Halifax team before yeah. it was the N National Basketball League of Canada. Yep. Um, it was called the PBL, right? Yep. yep. Um, so since it turned to the National Basketball League of Canada, they're in their 10th year now, um, celebrated 10th year, and uh, going strong, um, you know, uh, every single uh, year, um, even past COVID, still maintaining. Um, have you uh, actually, so let's speak about the level just a little bit, the PBL, because um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that after you did, haven't really had a chance to view too much of the NBL Canada, um, but your experience of basketball in Halifax at the time, as you know, basketball has grown, it's growing like every five years, you can see, you see the, the, the compounded growth that's happening. Um, what was it like just real quick um, in Halifax, um, say, what was it about 13 years ago, approximately? Yeah, at least. Okay. Um, first of all, beautiful city, um, mm -hmm. beautiful women. Like, just shout out to, <laughs> to, to Nova Scotia. Like, man, I got to throw that out there. Beautiful. And, and what was interesting, didn't realize it was such a black population there. Yes. Coming from yeah. the States, you just, you don't talk about Canada like that. And then even learning, because I'm a history guy, that Halifax was actually like the last stop on the Underground Railroad, like just yeah. learning right. like different things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, top notch. I was hurt. So basketball wise wasn't my best season. Competitive wise, at that time, it was only three leagues that were competitive in the states. It was the the NBA, the the D League, well G League now, and the PBL. So like if you didn't make one of those, you were playing in those leagues. So a lot of really good talent. Um, we played in the main arena, so that was cool. Um, but to, to your point, to see the growth then, I remember we went to, I think they call it, you guys call it tournament, like for the, like, it would be your version, like the NCAA. And uh -huh. then I think Halifax hosted, like, a region yeah. or something. Yeah, so I've right. been to it. I forgot what it's called, but every year they have a tournament around, like, May 2-4 weekend for him. And it's uh -huh. pretty competitive. Like, teams, people come up from all over the states and Canada to compete. That's yeah, right. and it was, I think the college that was good back then starts with an A. I want to say it was Arcadia for some yeah. reason. Yep. Mm -hmm. Could be Arcadia's one. That's right. Yep. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, so they're I remember cool. watching them play, and I'm like, no, only difference, I was like, they don't have the same height that we may have, like, with some of the D1 schools, but the basketball was was high level. And I remember us going to different schools, and almost you can tell, like, kind of introducing the game at a different level. But I think it was a, a great thing because to grow – your country, you have to have your own league. Like, you just have to eventually, if you want to be taken seriously on the national stage, because whether they ever play in it or not, whether it's Andrew Wiggins or Jamal Murray or whatever, 
is still putting the game out there across the country and you're still growing the game and coming up with more players. So you can see where it is now. I haven't watched it recently. I see different highlights because different guys that show you how I'm, old, I'm older now that they were younger, they kind of make their way from Chicago and still play for different teams. So I, I see the highlights, so I know it's still competitive. But back then, it was just the raw excitement of it. And we were competitive. We should have been a lot better. But it was one of my best experiences. And just being there during that time, I think at that time, we had, may you rest in peace, John Strickland, one of the mm. underground street ball legends from New York. Uh -huh. I played with Strick, got to know Strick personally. Mm -hmm. That was that that time when he was on that on the team then. And um, like I said, again, just to see where it is now and to see that it's still going strong, I think it's big and it's huge. Like you guys are there living it. So I can only imagine the experience. But again, it was something I could tell was going to be successful. And I'm not surprised. And like I said, I have friends that played in the PBL and when it switched over. So like I had a guy that played in Montreal for mm -hmm. the um, I think it was the Cavs, they were called. He he played right. for them. I think it's, well, I think it might have been the Quebec. Quebec, I'm sorry, Quebec. You're, no, you're, you're, you're good. right. You're yeah, because they speak mm -hmm. French in Quebec only. Right, right, right. Quebec. English, Quebec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember right. that. Yeah. Different mm -hmm. kind of vibe in Quebec. Um, but very different. <laughs> Trust me, Quebec, we call Quebec the Florida of, of America. Quebec is our Florida. Just think of it like that. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed Montreal. Montreal was beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. but Quebec, definitely different vibe. But yeah, he played for them and I had a couple of guys that played for like St. John. Um, right. that team as well. So I'm glad to see it for him. And I'm to answer your question, I wasn't surprised because I kind of say we were kind of there at the beginning of it. And I remember mm -hmm. when I came at the beginning of the season, because the PBL was a short season, it was only January and then playoffs were like April, May. That's I, the same right now. Yes. It's, this this yeah. time it started in February, end of February, mm -hmm. but it's going to end. But yeah, similar. Yeah, like I literally short. remember flying in January 2nd, and I think I left April 2nd because we didn't make the playoffs. But I remember just going through the season, how our attendance just from game one to by the end, how it had picked up. Like I could yeah. just tell the the difference. And like I said, it was A1. They were welcoming us and all that good stuff. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was my first time and probably my only time to really feel like a celebrity because I used to just ride the bus around Dartmouth and Halifax. And the kids, I remember one autographs, pictures. They couldn't believe Aww. I was... I was riding the bus. Like, why are you riding the bus? I'm like, well, I mean, I'm from Chicago. We ride the bus. It is yeah. what it is. You know, it's not a big deal. And it was just my way to get out and kind of see the city. So I definitely enjoyed it. I yeah, the that. league, the league right now, it's uh you you'd be amazed to see the amount of uh guys who have G League experience. Like the level has really stepped up so much. Uh you can go through the like a lot of the nominations right now, they're having the year-end nominations. And um, you know, if it, you're going seven guys, like six to seven guys have had previous G League experience. Right? And also it goes just goes to show um once we have and these are um also Canadian players also, right? So um it's just great to see um the growth of the league, especially from you who's been there from the beginning of the league. Uh the league has really grown and um yeah, it's it's just it's just great to see where we're at right now. Uh, playoffs are coming up, so if you have an opportunity, uh, put on your radar. Uh, the NBA Canada playoffs are right right around the corner. So yeah. I know you're your level of ball, regardless, right? So I think you see no, some value I, in that. Mm -hmm. I fell into watching Australian ball, like when Lamelo. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I still keep up with that. Like they're having exciting playoffs right now, so I still keep up 
with that, just following them over there. So, like, again, you just never know because, like I said, the basketball is high level. And, again, showing how long ago that was, like, and I just mentioned him, like, Ron Artest's son plays in that league now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just – I just voted for him mm-hmm. um, for what you were talking about. I'm just like, wow. Like, so it just shows you mm-hmm. that he played in the G League for the Miami – affiliate and the Philadelphia, I think it was affiliate as well. So mm-hmm. he's one of the guys that I know just obviously through my other relationship. And it just shows you again, the growth of the league. Honestly, the growth of basketball is just exponential, man. Like I'm thinking about it basketball, really like, you know, I'm also seasoned with myself, but just thinking about basketball in the late eighties to where it is now, like it's, it's, it's going to keep growing too. So it's really special. So quick question for you in terms of like other countries, right? Because Canada, we're international, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know someone that's going to be playing international basketball, what would be the top three countries that they'd want to play for? If, if they had a chance to play for uh, in a country that, uh, let's say they all pay the same amount of money. So uh, the same paycheck. Yeah, okay. I was getting ready to say. Same paycheck, you... <laughs> right? Okay. Same paycheck. What country would be the top three? I've heard of like Puerto Rico, but what's your thoughts on like top three countries to play for if you can't play in the NBA? So weather-wise, believe it or not, one of the hidden gems is going to be like Spain. Uh, They have some of the top teams. Israel is a hidden gem because of the weather, beaches. Um, Man. You said the money is the same. Yeah, money's the same. That kind of changes you know, my. That changes my talent, answer. Yeah. Talent, talent. Yeah. It's just based on just like yeah, experience, from what you've experienced. You said Spain, Israel. What's what's number three? I, I didn't experience them personally. I'm just going off of stories from my yeah, friends. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How about France? France is France is a, yeah. France is respected. France, yeah. Turkey for sure is another one. Turkey mm-hmm. used to How be. How about Australia? Russia. How can we make Australia? Australia? No, Australia is beautiful. All okay. my friends loved Australia. The weather is beautiful. Okay. Um, I'm gonna put Canada up there too. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, off the court, we had a great time in Canada. Like, <laughs> it's so I crazy. I, I saw someone talking about. Oh, it was the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So you know they came up here. Uh, they got a few Canadians on the team, and Dylan Brooks. When they interview. asked him about the dinner, I right, said, right. Yeah, 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 we seen that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what did these men do in Toronto? I remember that. I remember when it came up, too, and, and they had a great time. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. that's interesting. But, yeah. But I they, always defend Toronto. Like, when people talk down on, like, Toronto, like, as this. I'm like, no, like, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Toronto's one of the top NBA cities, like, as mm-hmm. players outside of, like, Miami and California or LA or even New York, like Toronto is one of the top because again, the cultures are so close. And then again, if you're a black person, maybe you have uh, Caribbean roots, you know, Island vibes, like, cause a lot of that is going on up there as well. Like it's, it's a very underrated country, expensive in Canada. I was there Mm -hmm. during the recession in 2007, definitely expensive, but if the money's equal, I would throw you guys in there. It's a beautiful country. Like, I, I, I want to get my wife to Vancouver. Another great oh, city. Oh, she would Be- love it. Oh, I, I live there. Beautiful. Whew. Great. All right. So as we, I guess, transition out of uh, for the culture, I want to ask you this because you made a good point about how it's well-respected amongst players, um, especially Toronto, right, in particular. Um, you obviously have people who are in circles. I'm just wondering, we have kind of a reputation of – not being a free agent destination from your what would what would you think if 
no one really knows because everyone's situation is different. But what would you think would be the reason why we're not uh, a free agent destination, given the fact of all the great things you just mentioned? I've heard two different sides of it. Mm-hmm. But the money part with the taxes and different things, I don't know how true that is still right. to this day. That was an older one, but I've actually heard that from a couple different players. And then, like, the last part is it's still not home, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's like you're still in a, a foreign country. It's not the United States. And then lastly, a um, couple players that, that I know, like, through somebody else, I didn't talk to them personally, um, the weather sometimes, like with the snow and some guys, like if they have a chance to maybe pick a warmer environment, even though the team may not be as good, because there's not too many franchises that's better run than the Raptors, right? Like, let's just be honest, like yeah. coaching, front office, Masai, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a combination of all that for him. The, the tax money from what I heard, the fact mm-hmm. that it's not home, and then I would say, lastly, the weather. Like, they feel like it's a good country to come visit, come play. Right. Yeah. Great restaurant. Party, Carabana, everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But don't know if they want to play there long term. But what's mm-hmm. interesting from what I heard from a reliable source that if Kawhi couldn't pull off the Clippers thing, he was actually going to resign with Toronto. Thank like, you. I, I heard the same thing, too. I don't think a lot of people realize, like, that's yeah. not like an urban legend. Like, that's a, a mm-hmm. real thing. He wanted to be at home. He was never going to play with the Lakers because LeBron was there. But he wanted to be at home. He just used the Lakers situation as leverage and like a smoke screen. But if he couldn't have gotten Paul George to the Clippers, he might still be a Raptor today. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard, too, because I have some connections with the team. And I heard that legit was between Clippers and Toronto. It wasn't between Clippers and Lakers. People think Mm -hmm. that, but Toronto Mm -hmm. was up there. So, yeah, no, that's confirming. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> nice <laughs> nice so zach yeah you definitely for the culture we appreciate um everything oh, you appreciate do. You. yeah, yeah man. we're gonna have all his information please subscribe to his podcast everything follow mm-hmm. him you know I, we like to call you our podcast brother because you know we build the community of, of yes, podcasting creators, really. right yeah. so this is yep. this is a, a lifelong commitment and um, <laughs> that, that everyone can do it so thank you for your insight for your, your great words and I look forward to seeing more and hearing more of your work in the future. So big up to you, Zach. Big Same up. here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we was able to make this happen. And it just shows you again, like you meet great people on social media. When social media is used right, right. it can really be a positive, positive thing. So anytime you guys want to have me on, I don't mind coming on, you know, coming on your show. And, oh. you know, definitely thanks for having me. And again, like I always say, I try to be objective. That's why my motto is fan of no team. For the mm-hmm. level of basketball. Well, well you guys, definitely don't go nowhere, brother, because we ain't done with you yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, the way it sounded, I thought we, we was wrapping. Okay. Oh no, we we no, ra- we, no. we wrapping up uh, the for the for the culture. Where got you, you got you. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, now we're just gonna go into our last segment, okay. fun time that we call that's absurd. That's absurd, Fahim, bro. What was absurd this week? What was absurd? Chris Paul of the Phoenix Sun. On Mother's Day, yeah. with his mother in attendance, was harassed by a young Mavericks fan during the game in his vicinity. Absurd. Absurd. Super absurd. I didn't know it till after the fact. I was I would have spoke on it when I recorded 
my pod, but I didn't know about it. I, I feel kind of bad because I killed Chris Paul on my pod because he played so bad in game three and game four. And didn't even know all that was was going on. But I see so much absurdity every day. But that was definitely one of the more absurd absurd things. And I guess what I don't know about how you how you guys feel, I'm more disturbed every day at the lack of just respect. And then how you have people say, well, you got to be tougher and we're just being fans. But it's one thing to talk trash to a player, but somebody else's mom, like, let's say that's not even Chris Paul. Like, that's a, somebody's mom. That's a woman. What about the respect for somebody being um, mother and, and for women? Or just in general, like, it just shows you to me, like, I'm starting to, again, keep saying this. Like, I feel like this old guy now, and I'm, I am i know I'm not, but just looking at where we were 80s through the 90s to now, like how nobody just respects people anymore. That and a lack of accountability is very disturbing. Um, but that whole situation was just, and then I thought the mask could have handled it better to only say he can't come back till next year. I thought uh -huh. that was kind of interesting. It didn't get talked about enough. I don't know how you guys thought. I thought uh -huh. the punishment should have been a little bit yeah. harsher. If so, Nelly J, I'm gonna let you punch in, but I, just for context of what happened with the uh, the young man and, and Chris Paul's mom. Apparently, it, he was uh, he was tapping the mom and and kind of sarcastically saying "Happy um, Mother's Day," and then um, since he was close enough to the Phoenix bench, he was yelling out. Uh, you know, disrespectful things to Chris Paul. And then, so he, it was a combination of yelling to Chris Paul and then after sarcastically tapping the mother saying happy Mother's Day, apparently, uh, allegedly. Um, just for context, Nelly J, you got it. First of all, why are you touching me? Like, yeah. wh why yeah. do you, yeah. you have, why do you feel so co comfortable to touch someone you don't know? Number right. one. Number mm -hmm. two, why in the world, like, what's my thing about fans? And you're right about this act, I just think that just because you're playing doesn't mean someone else is playing, okay? I, I thought I thought Will Smith's slap changed us all. <laughs> I thought Will Smith's slap made us realize that we just can't play with anybody and everything, right? I yeah. thought the beatdown that Dave Chappelle did on that fan the other night, I thought that also yeah. reminded yeah. us just because you're playing don't mean people are playing. And I just right. feel that that was just so absurd. Don't touch me, bro. Like, one thing mm. about me, listen, talk to my face, but don't touch me. Especially mm. women. Like, women, we've been violated by men. We've been, like, like it, it, it's just a huge issue that I have. And this mm. young boy, his mother was like, son, let's go. His younger brother about to cry. I was like, whatever happens, I just hope that this story, uh, people understand, don't touch people's family, right? Mm. Uh, people were saying how, oh, Chris Paul... Why was he threatening that boy? I'm like, listen, you're lucky that he oh, that, that he just said that. Because right. if that was me, you touched my mother, y'all. Y'all yeah. better put like, listen, I say nothing. Just I, I, I'm gonna know your number. I'm gonna know everything. So at the end of the day, I don't care about his age. Like, oh, he's younger. No, no, no. At that age, you know better. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know better, right? He, and if he, he doesn't, his parents gotta talk to him about that because that to me was so absurd. He's touching someone else's mom on Mother's Day. Crazy. 100%. You're right. He is young, but he's old enough to know better. Um, what we do know is he was sitting, what, a few rows from courtside. Um, I just have a feeling there's a lot of entitlement with this child. Yep. And it was displayed, um, you know, at the wrong time. So 
Um, let's see. And what you said, Zach, were you asking about the the punishment? I didn't know about the punishment. Now knowing that, I, um, I definitely think that the league could have done more. Um, I don't want to. Dallas Mavericks. Sorry, fame. Second of third. Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> right, right. Um, there is another layer to this also, which I don't want to take us too out because we are on the way out of the episode. But um, Mark Cuban, we do know about kind of his stance um, on uh, I don't want to say race, but just just his stance in that realm. Um, you know, that's, I, that's a whole, that's a whole bag. Yeah, let's not, let's not go down there, but, I'm just saying. but to your point, Mark, mm. the, your point for him, I wonder if Mark, you said he was sitting very much in nice seats, right? Mm. I wonder if mm. his father, let's talk right. about it. Wink, politics, wink. Right. You wink, know what I'm wink, saying? Nudge, nudge guys. Let's talk about it. Who was his, who was his father? Because right. those, them seats aren't cheap in the playoffs. No. Them seats are no. not cheap. So right. I wonder who his father is. To only get that much off, you know. Listen, right. there's a whole bunch of things happening, but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Yeah. And Mark's an accessible guy, right? So even if he didn't know the father, I'm pretty sure he reached out to the family and figured out what was going on. And maybe they might revisit it. Um, very controversial guy, kind of love to hate. I like some of the things he does. I hate a lot of the things he does. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, like you said, it's a whole like the whole work environment there, you can go down a rabbit hole with, with, mm-hmm. with the math. So overall, I think I'm not kind of, I'm kind of not shocked if that makes sense how they chose to handle this, this situation. But we got to just get back to the, the fact of just respecting each other. And I just don't understand this idea of just being able to touch people. That's mm-hmm. one thing I didn't do in law enforcement mm-hmm. unless I had to. I'm not mm-hmm. touching people. I'm not touching you. Yes. Don't touch me. I won't touch you. Like this whole idea, he felt comfortable. And his mom is, I'm not saying she's old, but she's got to be, what, in her 50s? Maybe early 60s? Because his parents look a little bit older because he got an older brother. So you're talking about touching somebody that's possibly in their golden ages, we'll call them, or like a senior citizen? Like, that's crazy. Like, crazy. Over, guys, over basketball. Mm -hmm. Basketball, Mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. This is so absurd. So absurd for that fan. Absurd for his um. (laughs) For Dallas, who else gets absurd for him? Who else? Because I got so much absurd in my back pocket, I want to hand him out like, 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 like prizes today, boy. Like, like a crazy. soccer referee hand out red cards. <laughs> red cards for everybody today, boy. <laughs> All right, you know what? Um, let's put this episode in the books. That was episode 91. 91. And so, y'all almost at 100. Y'all yeah, almost that. Yeah. We, we almost, you know, we up there. Up, we're not, we're not. On your level yet, but we're almost, we're almost getting up it there. It goes One fast. Day. I One hit day. 200 this year. I hit 200 this year. Oh, it goes fast. Mercy, definitely mercy. does. Yeah. Well, Zach, before you go, we'd like to give our, our special guests like yourself to, uh, you know, give us a shout out. So the floor is yours. Um, so I'm, I'm rocking with the, with, with this podcast, walking with Fahim, walking with, with Jay. I'm just going to say Jay. I like Jay. That's I fine. Like that. That's fine. <laughs> and, um, thanks for having me. Everything's the off the glass podcast is not complicated. Um, follow me on Twitter, Zachary, no, Zach Ramey at the Author Glass. And then Instagram is Zach Ramey, the Author Glass podcast. I do follow back. I do engage. You get to talking disrespectful. Then I just mute you. And then depending on how disrespectful you get, then I block you. But I'm not one of those guys that, that don't engage. As long as you keep it respectful, we can chat. We don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. Um, so make sure to follow me there. I follow back. And then lastly, again, my model is... Fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. Thanks for having me. 
Nice. Nice. I'll give my shout out is to you. Okay. Uh, from when I met you on, you know, on social media, I'm like, yeah, this, this, this guy's dope. Like I can just tell dope. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, people like they message you or you're like, yeah, this person's a really dope person. Your tweets, like, yeah, I, I can tell that you're going to be a vibe. So having you on today, just singing it, like I'm like, yep, he's legit. I kind of knew at first, but yep, this is certified. So definitely excited to definitely meet you today. Face to face, of course. Of but of course, course of having course. you on the podcast, you dropped a lot of gems. Great Thank insight, you. a lot of things that I did not even know about. So I really think our, our listeners will love uh, what you said today for sure. Um, I hope so thank so. you for coming on. Uh, my second shout out is for a black queen. Okay. Not only is she, is she a black queen, she has signed the highest and largest uh, contract in pro women's hockey history. That's right, mm. y'all. Pro women's hockey history. Mm. Signed the largest contract. Um, it's a black queen. Her name is Makayla Grant Mentis. She signed her first $80,000 for um, $80,000, um, and that's with the Buffalo Butte. So big up to her. I, I'm just saying, her. y'all, like, who would have mm. thought a black woman would have the mm. highest signed contract in hockey in, in, in the States? We got to get back to, to claiming that sport. We invented we hockey. Most right, people right. realize that, like, black Speak on invented. It. We invented hockey. Do your right. history. So it's Listen. amazing how we got that's an interesting story. If you haven't dug into it, I know you're from Canada, but yes, right. we have. We, we actually yeah, had, have Halifax. We know all yeah, about how it. How we right? got yeah. pushed out of that? Like this yeah. is a fascinating. It's a fascinating story, it really is. But a lot of people yeah. I don't think realize that we actually invented hockey. So it makes right. sense. Well, what's crazy that we actually had the producer of Solar Nice. He was a guest on our podcast. Okay. Okay. We talked about the film. I'll send the link afterwards. But yeah, he was yeah, incredible because he did yeah. research. He spoke with actually. All the a lot of the black um, hockey players from mm -hmm. the from different parts, and he broke it down. So I'll definitely send that link to you. But yeah, okay. big up to her. Like I just like seeing black queens doing things, great things, and the fact yeah, that we're also sure. conquering hockey. It's wonderful. So sure. big up to you, Makala. Go ahead for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, my shout out was quick. Uh, first of all, I, I want to shout out um, Chris from Hoop Spaces. I kind of yeah. feel like he's kind of the the plug while we actually are here today with this podcast. Um, I remember coming into Hope Two Space at one time and seeing knowledge in there, and um, just just by his take, whatever it was, I was like, "Oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking objective. about." Objective, he's so objective. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, from then, uh, just kind of building on that, um, I do want to say uh, knowledge uh, that. Um, <laughs> Because my knowledge also Zachary also or Zach, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but Zach he's uh, definitely uh, somebody who uh, well respected um, and uh, like you were saying about uh, your engagement and um, you're totally really an objective person and uh, you know your ball and I did take in and I suggest everyone else take in especially timing is probably right also with Luca um, I did take in your Luca where you're saying you think about Luca's the best yeah. player in the, in the world. Uh, or at the, at the time, I'm not sure when you did that, but I took in the last Luka. year at the last year's playoffs, and I right. immediately said I had to kind of walk it back a little bit. I was excited. No, but no, yeah, but, I did that last year. But, at the loss to the Clippers. I'll walk it out. But, <laughs> I'll walk it out. but um, your breakdown. Like, here's the thing: everyone, everyone has takes. It's just about how you how you walk through it, and yeah. how you walk through a take. I was really impressed. So I just want to shout you. you out on your work. Um, Thank you. You know, off the glass podcast. Obviously, uh, everyone, we should uh, uh, tap in. Uh, with with that also and subscribe subscribe um, it's for free y'all it's for free that's right that's right mm -hmm. and um i just want to give a quick shout out um we just mentioned chris paul 
And uh, Chris Paul, he's actually done a, a big thing in regards to business. Um, <clears throat> he is part of a group that's purchasing a cricket team <laughs> um, in India. Uh, so it's great to see that, you know, players, we had talked about players and, and they're venturing outside of being on the court and taken to business. Um, that is not a realm that we would think an NBA player would be, first of all, wow, in India yeah. and uh, owning a cricket a franchise. So um, worth a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, right. Right. Well, keep in not mind, <laughs> cricket is like the NBA. It's the most popular sport in India. Yeah, like, sure. the NFL is like really popular. So it's like mm -hmm. imagine how much money they make um, having being an owner of that team. That, that's a great investment. Right. And I, and I, I want to shout him out also just his, his humility in, in, in the this situation. Um, it's not just for business software. Also, he's also trying to be, you know, um, getting to the community also. But I, I remember there's a quote he was saying about him wanting to actually learn the game and him actually going to um, on the off season, going on and, and being part of it. So it's one thing to own a team and it just being a business, uh, making money for you. But he's saying, no, if I'm going to own it, I actually want to be involved in it. So cricket, I'll be honest, I know very little about it and I've given it a chance and I just haven't grasped to it. Um, yeah. Nelly J, uh, you, um, Trinidadian background also. Oh, yeah, cricket's yeah. huge. Cricket's huge. <laughs> Do you, I'm going to grade your cricket knowledge on a scale of one to 10. Oh, I played it when I was younger, but I was a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. no, but remember, in, in Trinidad, cricket, football, like soccer, right. like, you know, those are sports that was huge. Like, cricket is probably right. more viewed than basketball, you know what I'm mm. saying? But my knowledge of, like, recently playing it, no, nah, like, it's not, it's not, it's not that big. Right. It's not uh, that big at all. But it's uh, something where I think a lot of people in North America are unaware of how massive that sport is. Right. And and having Chris Paul be a part of this can actually, you know, at least bring some light to it to get people involved. Um, Zach, real quick, I'll let you uh, go on your cricket knowledge. Zero to zero to ten. Zero. Zero. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't understand a, the rules. The problem with, with the United States, we have baseball. That's the issue. So, yeah. like, as long as you right. have baseball, it's just not going to catch like that. Also, I forget the other guy's name because I wasn't familiar with him, but Larry Fitzgerald right. also invested as well, who's a – Hall of Fame when he's done playing wide receiver in the NFL, one of the best mm -hmm. to ever do it. So I thought the whole thing was kind of interesting, but it's a fascinating game. I'm not going to sit here and say I've never watched it. I don't understand what I'm watching. Right. <laughs> but, and then here in Chicago, being so diverse, I've actually seen them playing it at different parks. So it's big here yeah. in Chicago, like over by University of Chicago where I worked at. You'll see them dressed in all white on Sundays and it'll be several fields of them playing cricket. So it's very popular here in Chicago with a, a decent segment of group of people because it looked like it was over 200 people out there right. participating in some form of the sport. Right. So, so shout out to Chris Paul. Yeah. And, uh, and also, for him, before dope. we uh, end this topic, um, yeah. I want you guys to guess the top three most popular sports in the world. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but I want to know if you all know your world sports. I'm going to say you know? football, yeah, soccer, like uh, yeah, football, soccer, sure. soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, cricket, I'm pretty sure by the numbers, they have like a billion people there. So like, uh, uh, it's probably second and third basketball. Okay. What about you, Knowledge? That would be my order, to be honest with you, because I, I kind of know what else is going on just because I don't watch it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't know what's going on, but I was, that would be my guess worldwide. Well, I, I'm going to shock the world right now, y'all. Okay. So the top three sports, the most popular sports in the world 
uh, mm. based off of average fans. Um, number one, you're right, soccer, of course. Number two is cricket. But number three and four, <laughs> y'all will never. Uh, Fahim, I'm surprised for him because you grew up in Canada, Fahim. You should don't say this. curling. Do not say curling. Field hockey, bro. Oh, field hockey. That's the number. Field wow. hockey is the I third most. No. So soccer has 3.5 billion fans. Cricket has 2.5 billion. Field hockey has 2 billion. They're right what? under. Yes. It's and huge. I, <laughs> wow. Globally. And, and number that's funny four is tennis. Number four is tennis. So those are top four. Oh, tennis. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> No, I'm right. field hockey here too, so I guess okay. Yeah, so Learn too, that was dope uh, that we had Zach on. Um, he definitely had he dropped some jewels for us, most Absolutely. definitely. Yeah, Zach so, is the bomb. so that was episode 91. 91, y'all. If you had a good time, you enjoyed yourself, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend to tell a friend for him. We're on all platforms. If you're looking for us, you know that's what it is. It's Good Rookies Podcast, episode 91. And we out. Peace. Peace.